Cause we're down your way. We're always down your way. Because we're down your way. I'm always down your way. Crikey. And as the strains of the Downs Your Way theme fade into the background, I welcome the lady herself to this episode. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, I am here. And referencing indifferent singing, uh, as as in my case, <laughs> in the in the opening in the opening tune, today's uh, opening theme, at least, is vocal coaching because. That is what you do, isn't it? It's what it does, isn't it, mate? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. That is what's kept bread on the downs table. Yeah. Through kept, this kept me in denim. Through the <laughs> <laughs> new ripped denim, <laughs> which is you know, if people know me know that I cannot ever have enough jeans. But is the uh, oh, the, the rips add value paradoxically, don't they? But you have to have all kinds, Colin. I don't know if we can go into this right now, but you have to have ripped, unripped, a little bit ripped, really ripped, not quite so ripped. It's a very extensive menu. Yes, Thank we you. should have Natalie Imbruglio's "Torn" playing in the background. All right, all right. <laughs> anyway, so vocal coaching. So tell tell us first of all what you do. What who who do you teach at the moment? Um, I teach a host, a heady host of private students. I teach at two colleges in Birmingham as well. Online, I have to stress, and it's been online since last March. Um, and um, I have, you know, I've been doing it for a long, long time, and I have to say I absolutely love it and have done, you know, since I started it many, 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 many years ago. So if if you imagine suspend your disbelief for a moment and and you know somebody comes comes so I so I come along and I want to sing mm. better. Oh god. I know. Right. Yeah, okay. I know you you <laughs> I know you need something to start with some sort of basic yeah. raw material. But let's No, not necessarily. Not necessarily you don't, but go on. Well, okay. So I so so how would you go about tutoring someone who arrives sort of cold on your scene? What's the first thing you do? Well, the first thing that I ever do uh, when they're either in front of me or I'm just listening to them via a link or what they've sent me is that I just do a general assessment and I'm looking for many things but to start with three basic things which is pitching, timing and tone and I'm looking for those three things. Now I have started off with people that are lacking on all three. That's not you know, that's not to say they can't be made better. Anyone could be made better. It depends how much work they also want to put into that. Because I think a lot of the time um, with vocals, people have been brought up to think it's kind of a God-given right or a gift from the gods or whatever. And of course, you can be born more adept. You can have a more flexible larynx. You can have, you know, stronger breath control naturally than other people. You can have a, a, a more significant drop jaw. So it kind of like, you know, projects the sound and resonates the sound more than the next person. But essentially, you know, if you can speak, you can sing, you know, but it just depends with a lot of... Uh, vocalists that come from a very base level tend to think that oh I'll have a couple of lessons and then I'll be you know Christina Aguilera and it's kind of like no 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 
And it's a bit like you have to sort of say to them, just imagine if you were learning the guitar or learning any other instrument, you don't go from naught to 100 in like two lessons. And also it's the work you put in in between the lessons, you know, the knowledge I can give you, but that's where we start from. We start from these three basic things, which is timing, uh, pitching and tone. So if you work through those one by one, so how would you help someone improve their timing? Oh my gosh, I mean, that's just such... It, it also depends on how the timing is affecting them as a singer. So it's like such a myriad question for each, you know, each thing. But um, essentially, again, you don't walk out of time. You know, you don't walk down the road sort of hop, skip and jumping because you can't keep time. So essentially, if you can walk, you can keep time. But a lot, a lot of the time... Oh God, Rebecca. It's about how people think about the timing so they don't really see the timing as something that they can visualize and understand and it's kind of making that particular student understand how timing works within a song and making them bringing it alive to them in a way that they can understand it rather than this sort of kind of up in the air concept you know oh timing you know just click your fingers and you've got it it's like making it real to them so as I say bringing it down to probably starting them with kind of a mid-tempo song which is like the easiest timing to pick up I would say um, and getting them to think of the beats as like a circle so if you tap your hand on your thigh and instead of just tapping it again like a straight line you bring your hand round in an entire circle which is the beat and as it touches your leg again that's where the beat falls so thinking that there's a time traveling between the two beats and in embedding that into somebody's mind rather than it kind of for a lot of people that have bad time and it's just that they don't really visualize the space of the time <laughs> See, as I know nothing about this, I can ask really, really stupid questions. So my really, really stupid question about this is how how does how does someone get timing wrong in, in the sense of, it, you know, doesn't the music lead them to sort of sing at the right time in the, with the right timing? Well, it kind of depends on the song. Again, mm. it depends what kind of backing there is, uh, if there's any kind of like drumming in it or if there isn't. But for somebody who doesn't really think and encapsulate kind of timing within them naturally. No, they don't. And it doesn't really matter what kind of beats playing in the background or if there's, they're literally singing a cappella. They're still not thinking about the time as something that's real to them. It's mm. kind of this airy-fairy, imaginary, ungraspable quantity. And what my job is, is to make it completely real. So those four beats in the bar or however many they are, they totally understand what it means for them rather than, okay, just saying, oh, you've just got to go away and read music or whatever. You know, no, it's about what that person can do with how, it, how I can bring it alive to that person. Okay, so the other uh, option, sorry, not option, the other component you were talking about was pitch. 
was it? Pitch, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, there's so many things that affect pitch. Again, it can be a visualization, maybe that they're not learning the song properly. So they're not, a lot about singing is knowing the note that you're going to pitch to. And if you don't know where you're going to pitch to, you'll you'll practically always go off. You know, you've got to have an awareness of where that note is in relation to the note that you're leaving. But also it can, pitch can be effective, affected massively by technique and and where the the voice is resonating. So which resonators are you using? Nasal resonators, sort of back in your throat resonators. Um, and are you sending the sound out, your vocal placement? Are you kind of like keeping it locked in the mask, the face element? So there's loads of things. That, and, of course, breathing, if you're lacking in your breath control, you might be coming to the end of a line and you'll be reaching for a note that you just haven't got the breath to reach. So you'll be kind of squeezing the note out, which will affect the uh, the pitch immediately. So there's so many different things and it's it's kind of like I'm always fascinated when I meet a new student because I just think, okay, what's what am I going to pick apart from this and what can I put right, you know? And it, normally it's really, really obvious straight away. And the other component was tone, wasn't tone, it? Tone, which people don't really, you know, mention that much when it comes to like starting out singing and, you know, it's all about, oh, I want to increase my range and I want to do this and I want to sing this massive song and you know it's kind of about impressing others in a way rather than going back to what I was brought up on which is what does the voice actually sound like when you're singing you know I was brought up on Karen Carpenter um, Ella um, Billie Holiday you know all these people Julie London that have amazing tone roundness of tone that you desperately want to listen to as soon as they start singing. You know, the resonance is amazing. There's a velvet tone. There's, you know, this beautiful controlled vibrato. And that's, you know, tone comes from everything. It comes from the breathing techniques. It comes from where the tone's resonating. And it's something that can really, really be improved on. But what's really important is, okay, not how high you can sing or how loud you can sing, but, you know, do people actually want to listen to you sing? And and the majority of the time, people don't really consider that too much. It's always like, oh, I want to sing this song and how, how, do, how do you get me to reach this note? In other words, but I always say it's not about that. It's about the quality of the note when you get there. So that's tone. So if you were to start off with, a kind of fumbling amateur, you know, and again, picture me coming to you and saying, help me sing properly. Over how many interactions, how many lessons would you expect to see some sort of progress, assuming the person was prepared to put the work in? I'd expect to see progress from lesson one to lesson two. You know, if people are putting in the work, even if they had a week in between, two weeks in between or a month, it doesn't actually matter, you know. It's about what the work that they put in straight away. And you can always hear, you can hear uh, improvements partway through an hour's lesson, you know, if people are internalizing and, and I'm delivering the information to them in a manner that they can understand, which is down to me being a decent teacher um, and changing my teaching path to whoever's coming in front of me. But if somebody really does internalize what you're saying, just one tiny tweak can change somebody massively, absolutely massively. I got a bad, bad feeling. 
so when you talk about putting in work, I mean, somebody comes along, has lesson one, they're going to come back in a week for lesson two. Mm. What would you expect them to do in the meantime in terms of both sort of time and and content what sort i mean i i appreciate the content will vary or you mm. know depending on what their, their their issue is but i mean how much sort of time would you expect someone to put in in that week well it depends on the individual and it depends how much time they've got available normally i say to people if you are doing either a course a college course or you're doing a regular job or you've got a family or something like that you are never, ever, even if you really want to, going to set aside like half an hour to an hour a day to do vocal practice. What I try and get people to do is make it part of their existence anyway. So I always say, when the kettle's boiling, I want you to do vocal trills. When there's adverts on the telly, I want you to check your breathing. So it's almost built into your day from day one, the next day that you start, you're thinking, hang on, boiling a kettle, that's like a minute, I don't know, minute and a half. Right, I'm going to vocal trill and see how I get on vocal trilling for a minute and kind of measure myself on how long my breath control is over a vocal trill. So I'll give them exercises that are very, very short and hopefully can be fitted into their lives because singing for me has always been always a part of me I don't have to set aside like half an hour to do vocal practice because for people that know me I'm annoying you know I sing all the time you know I'm no matter what I'm doing it might be just something that's running around in my head a, a line but I'm always kind of testing out new things but it's a part of my whole existence and I just think if you've got to practice something that it's it's something that you're sort of forcing yourself to do and I want to make it integral to that person's life really that's what i'm going for all the time uh, i can vouch for that uh, spending time with you from, is that if we were ever to make rebecca downs the musical it would simply be a case of following you around with a camera <laughs> oh god <laughs> so, oh god that would be dreadful <laughs> yeah some of the some of the songs would be a little surprising i think <laughs> inverted commas but, but they, they they would they would flow there wouldn't be much scripting required. Um, if you look at sort of other uh, pastimes, uh, vocations, walks of life, and I'm thinking of sports here more particularly, mm. you often see a situation where somebody's learnt to play uh, a game or a sport and they've kind of almost built in and, and kind of overcome quite bad habits as a matter of course. And, they, and then they take some professional coaching and the coach says no, 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 you don't want to be doing it like that. You want to be doing it like this. And they go through a terrible period where, in fact, they they go backwards because they're, they're having to sort of eradicate bad habits and at the same time learn new ones. Mm. And they go through a period where they're neither doing one nor the other. So they've sort of only partially eradicated the bad habit and they've barely taken on the new one and mm. they their competence level drops. Um I speak from <laughs> I speak from experience. Um, does that happen with your singers? all the time? Because it's normally depends how much baggage somebody comes with to a singing lesson, and most people come with some. And what I mean by baggage is just bad, yeah, bad habits that they've picked up, or they're trying to imitate someone, or or make their voice into something that it's not really meant to be. Um, so it's always a case of unpicking all that. And I always sort of 
align it to learning to walk again, but walk in a completely different way. And for some people, it kind of, it's a quicker journey than others. And for some people, like unraveling all that is hard. And it's kind of like they'll get one song that we've done and we've unraveled everything and we're there. And then you go to another song and it's just all lost immediately. It's like, so you have to kind of make it so that it becomes their new natural way. And that is, as I say, it's got to become a habit. It's got to become what you do. The only way it will is just consistently doing it. So, yes, that happens a lot. <laughs> and, and 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 for how many people is that the kind of end of the road? Or do, do people... No, I don't think anyone's ever come to me when that's been the end of the road. I think, you know, that's a hard... It's a hard hill to climb if you come with a lot of previous baggage. But... Depends how much you want it, you know, and I can't make you want it. You know, I'm not going to force you to have lessons. You don't want them. Um, If you want it, you'll make it happen, you know, and it'll be regardless of what I say. But it's, again, it's, yeah, it's down to the person, the individual person. You want it bad enough, you'll do it. So when you see other people, and this is perhaps a slightly awkward and maybe unfair question, but when you see other people performing, um, do you find yourself sort of listening to them and thinking, oh, that's not quite right, or, oh, I would do that in a slightly different way? You know, do, do you see kind of raw material for your for your <laughs> expertise, if you like? And and if so, what are, the, what are the more common things that you see? I mean, I do see that, yeah. I also, I have to say, see it myself, you know. I'm very uh, critical of my own singing. And when I listen back to myself on live performances, I'll go, oh, Rebecca, you shouldn't have done that. You know, as I say to my students, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. And, you you know, you never want to reach that. You just want to keep reaching for something better for you. But, yeah, I do. I mean, of course, you know, of course, but not in a sort of super critical way, just in a, oh, my God, I hope they're not hurting their voice kind of way. You know, there's a lot of people I've heard sort of, uh, I don't have a very sort of gritty voice naturally. I have to sort of affect that sometimes to put it on, which is there's a way of doing it that's safe and there's a way of doing it that's not that safe. And I have heard some singers and I've just gone, oh, my goodness, you know, are they going to have a voice tomorrow? You know, they're going to wake up, you know, and be like, Ugh! because how are they going to carry that off through like an hour set or something, you know? And that sometimes... if. I don't, you know, look down on, I've never looked down on anyone, but I just feel kind of worried the fact that I think they might be wrecking their voice, you know. That happens more than more than anything else, you know. You always hear people go for notes and they don't read you. It doesn't really matter. It's about the performance. It's about the here and now, you know, and a performance is about lots of different things, about connection with the audience, about the vibe you're giving, you know. It's not all about being absolutely perfect but the only time that I really sort of go oh my god is when I think somebody's hurting their voice and so you know waking up in the morning with a sore throat stroke croaky voice would be a good indicator that you're not singing properly absolutely I mean and also straight after a performance if you're you know you will be absolutely knackered after a 90 minute show you know I am I'm absolutely exhausted but you know, if you've lost your voice after a 90-minute show, 
and if you've lost your voice in the morning, then there's something going wrong, definitely. So in terms of working with your private clients, what we've talked about is you would do a sort of introductory assessment and you put a program in place and you'd work through that. And let's just say a little bit about how it's operating at the moment online. How's that How's that working yeah. in practice? I mean, actually, it works very, very well. I've sort of always worked a little bit online with various people uh, just because of where they live. But I think having to do it as kind of like the only thing that you do is kind of honed it massively. Um, it works really well. You know, if people don't feel confident singing on a Zoom or a Skype call, it can work a myriad of ways. They can record things prior to that, send them to me. I dissect them, go through them, and then build the list, the lesson around the issues that I found in the recordings and the whole kind of lesson is skewed to putting those right and how to put those right. Some people feel, some people have got an amazing, you know, home studio setup and we do, you know, we're almost recording studio vocals with me coaching them through it, you know. So it just, it works really, really well. I mean, I teach full class online and, you know, it has to spin off a uh, PowerPoint presentation, obviously, as well as me teaching them. It does take a lot more kind of uh, prior preparation than going into a, a, a face-to-face lesson would. But it works exceptionally well. Again, it, it's probably a little bit more nitty-gritty and concentrated than being face-to-face because face-to-face, a lot of the time... You know, if somebody's singing in front of me, unless I stop them literally every two seconds sometimes to say something, you know, there will be certain things that are missed and that I'll catch on the next time that they sing. But if I'm analysing a recording they've sent or I'm sitting there in my own living room listening to them, I'll also record the lesson so that I absolutely miss nothing. So it's actually really intense in a way. And I think people get probably more out of it from me than sometimes they would on a one-to-one because there's more input from me beforehand and there's a there's probably more coming back during and after the lesson because I've just got that you know recorded element and I can keep referring back to it so it's worked tremendously well I've been really really happy about it so you have a specific website for this service don't you which we will put the link in the yeah, in the yeah. show particular have so a little look see have a little look see and uh, well thank you for that and if anybody's got any questions about rebecca's vo- vocal oh you've coaching, got any vocal questions send ask me and me and ralph will answer send them in yes. yeah yeah send them in we'll bark them back at you yeah ralph will get back Right, so as you probably, all of you are aware, there's been an awful lot of changes going on in the music industry uh, based around Brexit and musicians touring in Europe. Um, And there's things that I'm learning about that every five minutes, as I think most people are, and 
constantly thinking, oh my God, how are we going to cope with this? Oh my God, how are we going to cope with that? If something else pops out, pops out at me. So um, I've been bombarding my amazing manager with, Colin, what do we do about this? Colin, what do we do about that? And he's been sort of running back to me and sort of telling me, well, this is going to play out that way and that's going to play out this way. It's been changing considerably, not just in light of traveling and gigging in the European Union, but also sending merchandise there. So, Colin, can you bloody explain to us, please, what the hell's going on? You are the mind of all knowledge. Come well, on. I don't know about that. It, it, it's early days and there's a lot still going on. Fortunately, we're members of the Music Managers Forum and the Association of Independent Music and people like that together with the Musicians Union are all working extremely hard to put information together and briefing out there. But at the moment, it doesn't look particularly clever and I think there are two key issues for, for us uh, that with, with, with a third one possibly in the background. The, the first one is selling merchandise into Europe uh, and the second is obviously the touring one. So to deal with the first one, I mean, when we're in the single market, you could basically send anything anywhere. Mm. So, you know, a sale in Germany or a sale in France, as we used to have, you just parcel it up, send it off. You wouldn't even need to put any labelling on the package. You just post it to... And you can answer there. We did add quite... We, you know, we have always had and always have had quite a considerable European yeah, set of sales from yeah. our own personal website. Yeah, so a fair amount. Yeah. yeah. And and it's <coughs> you just yeah, you just pass it and send it. Now um there are issues of uh obviously customs labelling. You you we are a third country, that's what we signed up to be in the agreement. So we sit right outside the EU. Um we don't have any particular agreement which uh, ameliorates this we, we can send goods without tariffs but they are liable to increased uh, courier charges and to potentially to depending on the value of what you're sending to VAT in the country that receives them mm. so that's making it quite difficult you you send the stuff off you're not quite sure what the recipient's going to be charged in addition to uh, what you've charged them for sending it. And that's moment. obviously going to put a question in their mind as how they want to purchase it. Yeah, indeed. I mean, you know, we've obviously got the option of selling through Amazon. We're on Amazon. HMV. Which is, yeah, or from a record shop, a mm. record store in, in the, the, the territory concerned. But as I've pointed out many times before, if we sell a disc, a CD, to someone directly, uh, we net it 10 quid for that. If we sell it through Amazon, we get about half of that. Mm. Uh, so, but if that's the only way, that will be one way to do it. The other way is eBay, actually, curiously. Mm. Uh, eBay has an international seller program. Uh, Which is good to know, like people who don't, you know, musicians who don't sell through eBay. What I'd say to you is why we started selling through eBay is because other people, people were selling <laughs> our CDs and vinyl yeah. through eBay. So we thought, oh, hang on a minute. Why don't we sell the things? Yeah. So, you know, don't, you know, don't sniff at eBay. It's, no, you it's... don't have to have a shop or anything like that. But, you know, why not? You know, well, well, you're it... covered in, you know, so why not do it? Well, it costs us about £3.50 a month to keep a reasonable... How much does my dad know about yeah, that? How much to keep a reasonable catalogue on eBay? 
uh, and it does cover you off because if somebody goes onto eBay to search for your music, they will find you. And, mm-hmm. it, and we always and we label everything direct from the artist, and obviously it can be signed. But eBay has an international seller program. That means that somebody in an overseas territory, any overseas territory, pays a specific price. And as the seller, you get a, a net price, which is obviously you know lower than the retail you put it up for. Uh, varies obviously again against value. But then all you have to do is post it locally. So the mm. last thing I sent to France via eBay, I actually posted to Rougely in Staffordshire. How queer! How <coughs> queer! Mm. Um, so there's that. The touring one, you'll have seen a lot about. There are petitions. The Everybody's trying to persuade the government to go back and renegotiate. But at the moment, touring would be burdened with two things. Uh, one is that probably um, visas, plural, uh, because different member states have a different approach. Who'd have thought it? Um, so uh, you may have to have more than one visa to go to more than one place uh, on one tour. The other problem, which I don't really understand, but I'll mention it, is a thing called cabotage, where under EU rules, a third country uh, courier or, sorry, a transporter entering the EU can only visit two EU states before they have to turn around and go home again. again. So the idea of setting off in your tour bus and arriving at Calais and then doing, you know, France, Belgium, Holland, Switzerland... Mm. Uh, doesn't at this point in time seem to be uh, uh, possible. <laughs> I mean, there will be ways around that. I know some of the van hire companies are already talking about setting up EU depots, etc., which would solve that problem. But of course, it's all extra money. Visas, you mm. know, for the number of people that you take, they're all going to be extra cost. I mean, <laughs> it is a it is a, a sort of um, yeah, I wouldn't say a saving grace, but I mean, obviously at the moment, nobody's touring. At no. least it gives some time for these sorts of things to be sorted out, mm. potentially for some kind of renegotiation to mm. take place and maybe some change. And that's hopefully that, that that's what happens. Because th- ba- basically, <coughs> sorry, now to me, I'm thinking of, you know, because I've been to America, I haven't been to America with the band, but it's kind of like... You know, the question was there at a few stages, you know, what about if we take the band to America and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the reasons why we didn't are the reasons why, why you know, the, re- the same problems we'd be facing now with the EU, with the visas and, you know, all the rest of it. So, you know, it's... Um, uh, it's it's going to be... Ver- it, uh, on the face of it, at the moment, <laughs> it's going to be very difficult and very expensive. And I think... Yeah, if you're a big, big band doing a stadium tour, you're not going to make so much money. Mm. But if you operate like a a, a reasonable-sized band, and we know, you know, we've done it ourselves, Mm. we know other people, where you would traditionally set off tour a load of European countries with your merchandise on board and make your money out of your gig fees plus particularly your merchandise Mm. sales, that is all going to be a lot more awkward going forward. There are solutions uh, we have some time to sort it out, but some renegotiation and change in in the terms and conditions would be extremely helpful, to say the least. The third issue, which I should just mention because it is relevant to us, is the importation of EU sourced technical equipment. Oh. Now you know <laughs> the uh, oh. the famous sixth member of the band, Paddy Loop, as I call him, the the drum pad <laughs> where we mm. sampler. Um, 
for example, I think we sourced that from Holland. I can't remember now. But, you know, again, back in the day, we just paid a fee in euros, mm. including postage and packing, and it duly arrived and we were off. Now that would be subject to uh, import VAT, mm. extra courier charges. And the problem is... Um, Can I when, start crying at any point? When you, no, I'd rather no, you didn't. Okay. When you, when you, Men when, just don't like it when I cry. Okay. When you pay... You know, when, it, when it arrives, the, the person who has to levy the VAT would be the courier... And all couriers add a surcharge for collecting money. So you've got these stories at the moment of people I haven't seen anything about technical music equipment, but there was a woman on the paper the other day who'd paid 200 quid for a dress that she'd mm. bought from Europe, and by the time it arrived on the doorstep, she'd had to pay another £82 to receive it. Because I've done that sometimes by accident with things in the States from Etsy, and I haven't lowered my search to just the UK and Europe, and I've bought something from the States, and then when it comes, I've had to pay another 20 quid or something. I've been like, God damn it! So <laughs> that's going to be the same thing. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, and, and again, you know, a lot of the technical equipment that we use it was, was sourced from Europe. So again, I guess, you, you know, if they want to sell over here, they, they might, you know, get it across in some sort of different way. But it's, a, it's, a, it's another complication. So, as I said, fortunately... On the wings of a dove, could they carry the gear? <laughs> no, no. So okay. here we go. Now, she, now, in normal circumstances, she has started singing that, you see. And that's what I mean oh, by... On the wings the, of love. <laughs> that's what i mean about rebecca downs the musical Sorry. as i said fortunately there does seem to be time you know before gigging starts again for some of this to get sorted out and you know i'm sure it will settle down but it's not a particularly satisfactory situation and all i would say is when you see these appeals for uh, petitions and writing to your mp and all that kind of stuff it would be very very useful if you weighed in behind that and supported whatever whatever if your you view of brexit if you support music you want to hear music and you know we want to you know we want to go to europe you know we've already had offers of different gigs over in europe um we also want European musicians to come, to come to the UK, you know. So, you know, all music lovers, I think, would probably get behind this. You know, it's not a question of were you for Brexit, were you against it, are you for music? That's the question. Yeah, I think quite a lot needs to happen for what we were used to before yeah. the pandemic to carry on. You know, if that's to carry on, quite a lot needs to happen. And I think everybody both musicians and those who support music could usefully get behind the various campaigns that there are to try and make make this change because it's certainly going to make it prohibitively expensive for us to go overseas um and i think that would apply quite a long way up the ladder yeah you know yeah. i think i mean i you know we know bands who draw a significantly bigger audience than we do who would still struggle, struggle a lot to, to make, make to make to that make, work? Yeah, yeah, without to make a doubt. It work. It's always been on an knife edge. Don't get me wrong. I think even bands mm. that people would think make, oh, they must be making a lot of money. I think you'd be quite surprised to hear that. You know, it's probably a little bit closer to the wire than that. So well, putting all these things in place is really going to make it beyond. Well, I I struggle to find it now, but there was a very good posting on social media by the artist known as Fish. Fish. explaining in great detail why he couldn't go to insert name mm. of random place in Europe in mm. response to the many requests he gets from fans to extend his his mm. tours and he did the, all the maths of a tour expose them mm. and you'd be surprised you know Even it turns somebody. over a lot of money mm. uh, doesn't actually net 
a lot and certainly wasn't in a position to add on gigs which may or may not get a sufficiently high audience so even even at his level it was challenging now it's it's probably impossible to actually do it and make money uh, so we'll have to see what happens but anyway that's as i said one of the sort of uh, silver linings in the cloud that is the pandemic is that at least there is now Gives some time, time to, to yeah, maybe sort it out sort, sort it out and certainly the work being done by uh, the representative bodies is very good and very welcome okay so thank you rebecca for that amazing insight into your vocal coaching um i noticed the sort of worried look on your face when i talked about you know me the concept of me as a student but th don't worry we won't be following that through that was merely <laughs> door slam <laughs> that was merely merely <laughs> by way of no, actually oh, colin's not not bad people you know believe me i've heard a lot worse <laughs> <laughs> thank you the five pounds the five pounds will be, will be handed handed across any any time uh soon um you know a subject of course to vat, VAT and local European surcharges and all well, but anyway thank you very much for that uh we I loves you we hope you enjoyed that uh and if again as usual you have any questions feedback follow-up requests for subject to be covered in the future we would love to hear from you absolutely but in the meantime thank you very much for listening and we look forward to being with you again soon very soon bye bye peeps Mwah.